It's Monday, Johnny. It's another talk about that. Hmm. We're back. We never it's, left. Uh, we never left. We never left. We're bringing you the cultural, comedic, and theological stylings of John and Johnny. Is that what we are? I don't know if it's stylings. Can you style theology? Yeah, what is what happened to that? It used to be a big thing when you introduced the I introduced you know the comedic stylings. That's not an yeah. intro for a comic anymore. That was like an eighties thing. Well, if anything, we're stylings. Yeah, we're here to bring things back to relevance. You know, stylist. Uh, I'm more style. I'm a more. I'm more of a stylist uh, as a comedian than I used to be. I think that it takes time to find your voice as an author. I'm sure that's true as well, right? Takes time to find your voice. And what people say. I don't know. Catch up with you ever sell a lot of books because as of right now. Well, no, I'm saying like. Well, and that's true because you're writing in other people's voice. So that's all. You got a lot of voices in your head. You're like. Uh. You've got like multiple personality disorder. Yeah. Is that still a thing? Do people get diagnosed with that? Yes, I think. Because, I mean, that was like a big, they made movies about it and there's whole shows about it. And they got that, what's that movie where, uh, M. Night Shyamalan movie where the guy's got, you know, 13 person. But I think that, wasn't that proven to not be a real thing? Or I don't know. There's like distinctive. Isn't it called? A lot of people fake it. Disassociative disorder. So is it disassociative identity disorder now instead of multi-personality disorder? Yeah, I wonder what did did multiple personality disorder offend someone, and we had to call it disassociative identity disorder. No, I think it wasn't offensive. I think it's what you just said. I think that they were proving that it 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 actually maybe it could be. So a it's less of a clear right. It's, it's less of right. a clear like this is my angry self, and this is the person who commits the crimes, versus this is the normal me, and this is the cheerleader. Like right. it's more of a, there's a gray line between those things. So it's disassociative. I, I would know. guess I don't have any sort of degree in psychology. I know you're shocked. Um, uh, I do read Enneagram books. I don't know if that helps. It'd be but. interesting to be a comedian with, maybe there are comedians that have disassociative. It's hard to say that. It's like physician's assistant. Physician's assistant. Dissociative identity. Dissociative identities. Marty, my friend Marty Simpson, he always says uh, that he has degenerative disc disease in his back. <laughs> And uh, so I, <laughs> I degenerative, degenerative disc disease. It sounds. <laughs> it sounds like Jello pudding pops. Yeah, it yeah. sounds like something Yosemite Sam would say before he fired a gun into the air. Yeah, you know, I went the other day to try to find some Looney Tunes for Sadie to see. They're very you violent. Can't find, you can't find any anymore. Really? Yeah, like you can't, like you can't go stream old Looney Tunes that I can find. It doesn't make any sense. Well, you know, I think a lot of them... Are they politically incorrect or something now? Well... Some of them maybe. There's some some probably like transphobia, like if you dress up up as a woman and it's... There was a lot of that. I think there was also some blackface in a couple of those. Oh, okay. Um, I know there's some Native Americans portrayed a certain way, for sure, in a couple that I can remember. Yeah. Um, So, I mean, I don't know. Again, I wasn't... I just wanted her to have like some... Um, you just wanted to guess. see an anvil get dropped on somebody's head like a normal parent. Yeah. I wanted her to understand what the Roadrunner <laughs> and Coyote was all about or understand. I mean, like, I love that Bugs Bunny episode where he's the barber mm-hmm. doing uh, the big orchestration on Elmer Fudd's head. And right. he's like, I, said, I don't know if it was Mozart or whomever, but but like he's pouring all this stuff on his head and like all the, the stuff is growing out of his head. And it's just like this. I just had this childhood memory of how hilarious that was. It kept adding ridiculous how things. How we learned about high art from Looney Tunes. We were like, oh, there's something about uh, classical music. I'm interested. Even opera, when he was the conductor in the opera or whatever. 
Well, oddly enough, shortly thereafter, I split the atom. So it was very, I yeah. think it was very influential. You wouldn't have yeah. done it without bugs. No. He, no. Uh, or maybe that was I heated up a bowl of beef thoroni on the stove. It was something. It was something impressive for my age. I'll tell you that. Didn't you, Did you eat, eat a Chef Boyardee as a kid? Oh, you, well, yeah. I mean, you're, that's all we had. Uh, we were, I was a microwave kid for sure. My mom was, my mom cooked some, but not like Mama D, not like your mom. My mom was like, you know. I mean, we used to do those Totino's pizzas on Friday night. That was a big uh, thing at our house. Still Just do Totino's Come pizzas. out of the box. The box probably has more nutrition than the Totino's. <laughs> They're very similar in color. A little more red maybe in the... But uh, I yeah, love, that's, I still love Totino's. You can't beat a Totino's, Mr. P. I remember there used to be a brand called Mr. P's. Remember those, Mr. P's Pizza? Uh, maybe that was maybe that was a regional thing. Maybe that was East Tennessee. I don't know. I don't know. But so you yeah. didn't. Mi- so when you say Chef, Chef Wardy, you microwaved it. Like I actually. Put oh, you it heated on it up on the stove. Ah, so- uh, yeah, we yeah. didn't dirty. We didn't dirty a pot for that. Yeah. No, sir. That's probably the story you've heard before, but where Laura always talks about in college, I had that mm-hmm. beefaroni on the stove. Yeah, and I left for a few days. And then you this reheated one day. it. You one reheated day. it. But it was in the so saucepan the next day, and you reheat. Well, yeah, there's that's the thing, and you can't hurt yourself. It's like if you found a bologna behind the couch, piece of bologna, you can still eat it. <laughs> oh my goodness! Yeah, it's that's preserved so indefinitely. And besides, the heat, man, the heat. I wonder if the preservatives the in our food are the reason that we're living longer. What if that's the thing? Preservatives that we eat are preserving us. Is that possible? Because they said a while ago, I saw a report that, like. Kids are reaching puberty faster, and they're saying it's because of the hormone-laced meat. Right. Like the hormones in the meat and our mm-hmm. milk is causing kids to be hormonally yeah. active earlier. Is that true? Yeah. So yeah, maybe, that's the same thing. maybe the same thing with preservatives. You eat enough bologna and lunch meat, you're going to be a mummy. You're mummifying yourself from within. Is that science? I mean, if it makes me live longer, I'm here. I'm invincible. Is that what I heard? No, I think, honey, actually, <laughs> even a strong, a slight breeze. Anyway, an old Simpsons reference. Oh, Johnny. Uh, it all comes back to Simpsons and Seinfeld. There's a, there's and one there's Looney one for Tunes. every possible, and Looney Tunes, but one for every possible situation. Yeah, yeah it is interesting because my mom would not let us watch anything with sorcery. Did you grow up in that kind of household? Yes. No magic, no sorcery. I think it was, you know, no characters who were downright things. evil, like no witches, warlocks, no He-Man, Masters of the Universe. No, he said, I, he said he had the power. Come on, you he, can't say that. He who did, has the power? the power? Of, Jesus has the power. That's right. He would say by the power of Gray Skull. So it's like he was summoning power from another source. And no, yeah. we were not. Now I loved the song though. To but He-Man. if you look up Gray Skull in the Greek, oh, <laughs> it's, it's not actually a Gray Skull. Yeah. It's it's, a, yeah, but they would let me listen to the opening music and then have to turn it off. So it was like a teaser. You could oh, listen to the music. that makes it even more tantalizing. Yeah. So you yeah. knew the theme. But yeah, I am I, grateful that I have not become a sorcerer. What so, about and, the Smurfs? We couldn't watch the Smurfs because of, uh, and I remember I used to say that in the show early on. It's one of the jokes I first wrote and it was about how I'm so glad my mom protected me from that because there's so many people who like, I know that got drawn into Satanism. I was like, what drew you in? They were like Gargamel. <laughs> he seemed so powerful. He had that cat. The robe. Oh my goodness. You know, the thing is, I, I, I still, so as a dad, yeah, I still like, we do, and as much as I joke, and I know my mom listens, mom, you you did great. And I understand your decision. <laughs> and I understand like the tension. Well, you do the best with what you know at the time. And you are, there is a protection that kicks in. I don't, I'm not a parent, so I can't really make, I make fun of it, but I can't really make fun of it to the with any real clarity because I don't know what it's like to constantly live in fear that your kids are going to go the wrong way. 
Well, I think to me, it's more, it's less about me worrying that Sadie's going to go and start doing witchcraft. And, and yeah. it's more me being concerned that witchcraft just becomes kind of like normal. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, this is just entertainment, you know. And so to, to realize, and again, as a pastor, that there are biblical there are biblical things about not messing around with certain parts or them becoming a normal part of life. And that was what God dealt with the Israelites all the time is, Hey, you know, some of the, the idolatry and other parts of the culture around you, you're allowing to just become normal for you and whether or not they were engaging and then they did, but like, I don't, so it's like that line of, I just, I want you to be mindful and I want you to test all things. And, and so like we had this talk last night. So she wants to watch, um, the Angelina Jolie Disney movie. Um, oh, the well, hang on a second. Uh, hang on. Uh, Maleficent. Yeah, Maleficent. She's been asking for her whole life, and we say no. Now, we've let her watch the old Cinderella or the old, which one is? No, Sleeping Beauty that has That's Maleficent. The Witch and the Apple and the, the what cartoon, have you. but we haven't let her see that. And so we were talking to friends about it who've let their kids, and they're like, you know, it's really not. And I think when we came down to it, it was because it's just her backstory and how she was mistreated that caused her to do this. And she was actually apparently a fairy and not a witch. And so you're already in like this. In, it's like so they've, made her more, they've made her a sympathetic figure with a yeah. backstory. So now you're OK with her turning into a terrible person. Well, it's a little bit like the, the play Wicked. I mean, if oh, you right, look at Wicked, sure. that's the well, backstory. Like, like, issue with that, though, too, because they're like, oh, you're glorifying this and saying that, you know, whatever. But, but I mean, I just think they're saying like they're, everybody has a, everybody has an origin story. Yeah, that's true of comic book movies too. You, it's never just like, and then he was Magneto. It's like, no, Magneto went through some stuff, right, right. Yeah. And there was mistreatment. To the, and so again, I don't. It's like, and, and I think you have to come to a place where you go, hey, look, if you really believe that that uh, witchcraft offers you a better path forward in power and prosperity and other parts of your life, then and people do. I mean, that's why people go and and get their fortunes read and other things like they're seeking. Um, they're seeking other paths right, to or like an advantage in life right? Yeah. outside of, I think that's a dangerous thing that scripture prohibits. If you're in a different imaginary fiction story mm-hmm. where the rules of the universe are already so different in, you know, in that, again, there's such a thing as fairies or flying creatures or, or other things that don't exist in our normal world today. Whoa, whoa. No. <laughs> Hold on, friend. Wait a second. But you know, C.S. Lewis. I mean, if you're in, if you're in the Chronicles of Narnia, and it's the lion, the witch, and the wardrobe. Like you know, yeah. there's symbolism. Wardrobe. We things. know wardrobes don't exist in real life. They don't. So it's they easier don't. to suspend disbelief. Or lions. Yeah. But I had but a like, chest. I had a chest of drawers, and that's it. And I called it a Chester drawers until I was in my thirties. <laughs> I thought that's how it was pronounced. <laughs> I called it Chester drawers too. It's a southern <laughs> thing, man. I think I thought uh, it was like a guy named Chester made him. You know, man. like that's. He's a furniture maker. Oh, there's got to be a there's got to be an old like artisan somewhere making furniture. His name's Chester. No, Jettison Chester. He made the yeah, <laughs> somewhere okay. back in the 1500s. But I no, get what you I, mean. Yeah, it's it's when you it's a fictitious world, so it's easier to be like, well, this is there's rules here, and they're not glorifying it. Right, and I don't want you to be like entertained to where it becomes normal at the same time. Like so that's always a talk we have, Sadie. She, no, she's so funny. You know, she turned 12 this week. Yeah. So she'll just say, you know, dad, I just want you to know, I understand that this is not real. And I don't mm-hmm. believe that witchcraft is the right way to live. Like she'll come up with, you know, she's like, I'm just, I'm just wanting to watch this Disney movie. See, if, my, if, if, if someone I knew 
Like if my niece said that to me, I know that witchcraft is wrong and it's not the right way to live. I'd be like, she's a hundred percent casting spells right now. <laughs> it's too sincere. Something's wrong with this unprovoked apology. <laughs> well, it's not unprovoked. It's it's negotiation. That's what it oh, is. I see. I see. Yeah, you have to, she has to sign a, a document in triplicate before you can before you hit play. All the she again. So much like you always say to me as a speaker. Like I always want to go ahead and head off at the pass all the yeah. things that you could say. Right. Uh, in response to what I might say. So, yeah. so that's what she has. I mean, she's in, in my house. So it's like a, she's already lit. She's already litigating. Yes. She's making a case, you know, <laughs> knowing, uh, and, and it's pretty convincing. And that's the thing, like, look, you know, we talk about it all the time and I'm, I'm, uh, finishing up first draft of a parenting, um, book right now with Dave and Ann Wilson, our sequel to vertical marriage. And, um, and we're in, in it. We talk about the fact that it becomes so clear that look, there's coming a time where she's going to get to watch whatever she wants. Like yeah. my goal is not just to control. And it is, I do control and keep things from her. But my goal is that when that time comes and, and let's not wait till then yeah. that along the way, somewhere she has like reason. What, do, mm-hmm. what, what is your rubric for wisdom in life? How are we establishing wisdom? You're going to make your own, like the parents who act like they can really can make the kids choices forever. I get yeah, it. Those I are the kids. That, those are the kids that go crazy. Right. Or they live in complete fear and denial. I mean, either way is right. a bad. I, I was probably the second one. And it wasn't because my parents locked me down because they didn't at all. I just had a very naturally guilty um, conscience and always felt that I wasn't good enough, you know, that, that God would not be pleased with me. I didn't feel that way about others, just that I, I you know, in pride, I knew yeah. better. So when I messed up, you know, there was a different level of, you know, uh, accountability and never good at, you know, so, so those kinds of feelings of condemnation. Yeah. That's not, that's not a good way to live either. So no, I didn't go to a bunch of parties and get drunk in college and, 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 you know, no, I didn't sleep around and no, yes, those are all really positive behaviors that resulted that probably led me around a lot of bad consequences. The flip side is, is I had a very skewed view of the grace of God. Um, and was not <laughs> secure at all. Like, I mean, I, you know, it right. wasn't like I thought I wasn't going to heaven or whatever. It was just, Along the way, well, a great way to say it, I was very certain that God loved me, but even to this day, I still struggle to believe that God likes me. Yeah. That there was a delight in me or that relational side uh, because of all the things I know are imperfect in me. So, you know, I, there's that flip side or, or the balance between the two. Like, I don't want just a well behaved kid. I mean, I want her to have, like, okay, who are you? Who are you in Christ? How will you make decisions? How will you make decisions, and with whom will you make decisions? And how will you know the right people? You know to keep not perfect people. You know, yeah. that's other thing. <laughs> um, in the book, there's a story. I don't know if it'll make it in, but one of the parents, one of the kids, was talking about. Um, the kids are all grown now, but a friend and, and one of the parents says, "Isn't that your? Isn't that the bad kid who smokes pot?" And the and the the kid answers back. The parent who's a pastor, like, um, "You mean he's bad because he smokes pot?" Right. And it was like this big, like, um, um, you know, like y- you don't. W- w- right. You accidentally <laughs> said what you believed, <laughs> like in right. a Freudian slip, like, I believe that people who smoke pot are bad. Well, yeah. I guarantee you this. If the, if the pastor has somebody coming into their office who sits down to say, I'm struggling with pot, you wouldn't think they were bad. Went into your kid, yeah. possible influence. I think that you use certain words that they understand when they're young and they yeah. kind of carry over, you know. Uh, you know, we don't do those things. That's bad. 
those are just the easy way to teach your kid. But at some point that language has to, I hope it does. And God knows guys, I know nothing. If you're listening to this, I'm not giving parenting advice. I don't know what I'm doing. I feel completely ill-equipped and just asking for the grace of Jesus to, to like bring us through. So I'm not trying to like spew some sort of wisdom. I'm telling you what I struggle with. Like I want my kid to have a, a better the understanding of, Hey, everything in life is not good, bad. Some things are, but there, there are yeah. ways to think about life that's outside of just well, that binary. Methodology. Well, isn't it generational too? Like we've talked before about like these men's conferences sometimes and the old guard way to do one was like to talk about how like, You'd almost glorify the old days of almost like being afraid of your parents. Like I was afraid of my father when he came home from work. It was like dinner had better be ready. And, and I I never wanted him to find out anything I had did wrong. We were terrified of him. And then people would would cheer. Now we've got these, but it's so like, there's that, which is awful. And I'd be like, your dad was probably a jerk. And then. You had the other thing, which you're kind of alluding to, which is parents who are trying to be the kid's friend and be the cool right. parent so much. So they're like, yeah, watch whatever you want. I'd rather you drink around me. You know, if you're going to drink, I want to be here for your first drink. Like there's that thing of trying to be the cool parent. And so I, I can imagine for parents, it's got to be terrifying and hard to try to balance like what is the right thing uh Cause to me, if I was a parent, I would just, I would be afraid of failing as a parent. Cause I feel like my dad really blew it and I held him accountable for a long time. I forgave him, but, and I realize now as an, uh, an older person now in my forties, that he didn't have a lot of tools. He had a lot of things against him going into parenthood and his childhood, his upbringing that did not equip him to be a good parent. So I give him a little more slack than I would have, but I would be terrified if I were a parent of being a failure as a parent, meaning like my kids in therapy, you know, three times a week telling stories about horrifying, you know, things that I let go on or whatever, or I was just like, not there or whatever the thing is that you feel like you needed to be there. And so, uh, I know it's gotta be terrifying for parents, but it's like, you gotta strike that balance between being the, the buddy and the di- dictator, you know, you know, something that, that they talk about, that really impacted me in the book was, is the goal is to be your kid's friend eventually. Yeah. So, so you know, you do want to be friends when your kids, there's a stage coming, right. You know, like my mom and I have a great relationship, right? Well, that's after that. I'm know. saying like when they're, when you're saying go to your room, it's bedtime. If you're a friend there, they're like, I thought we were pals. Oh yeah. Pals don't send each other to bed. Like you and can't I do. be a I, friend then. <laughs> I tell Sadie she's my little buddy and then I'll turn right around and say, I expect you to respect, you know, like she has I'm to know. I'm the big buddy and you're the little buddy. That's right. You got <laughs> to know the line though. She knows the line. That's the thing. Yeah. They know like, Hey, you know, this is not that we don't have elements of friendship. My number one goal obviously is to protect uh, and to train you and, and raise you and, guard you and see things you can't see. And, and you're not going to like all the ways that I do that all the time. Now I'm also not setting out. I really try. We really try not to be the, because I told you so people. All right. Because I'm I the father yeah. and you are the daughter. Yeah. And there are a few times where we go, but it's not, I told you so it's, we've already covered this and yeah. in this moment. You know, obedience is what is expected right. of you. Or I've been and, here. I've been here before. Yeah. And I know, yeah. I know that you're not ready for this or that. And there's you know, a lot of that. There's trust. You, know, you, you got to have trust there. You talk about the drinking thing. That's, that's a real, it's, it's a funny, it's how it's still, 
you know, the other day I used an example and, and, and Laura actually pointed out, I was kind of, kind of glad. I think some things are changing in me. We were talking about whoever speaks truth. It's always true. And I, and I used an example of a prostitute, you know, coming into church. And then I immediately changed what I was saying. I was like, you know, I don't know why we always use that example right. because I'm learning with trafficking and a lot of the things that's, that's, that's all not always a fair, I'm not saying that, you know, there is no like blanket statement. That's like blanket statements about homeless people. Mm-hmm. I mean, all of them are a certain way. Well, that's just not true, you know. Yeah. And 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 neither are all conservatives. Neither are all liberals. Neither are all Republicans. Neither are all Democrats. And so, I think the the like the go to from our childhood example of of irresponsible parenting, you know, is always going to be drinking. Like drinking still still. And I'm not pointing out that I mean, that's a good example. I'm I'm saying it's funny though how we pick those things. Like I realized, you know, the things I choose not to pick, the things I avoid also reveal something about what I'm teaching her. Um, and, and there's that, and that's even scarier. I think there were some things you should be more comfortable not to talk about because, yeah. you know, drinking was a taboo, uh, topic in our upbringing. Now when mm-hmm. you and I, when I was youth pastoring and you and I were both working with kids and you were college pastoring and, we would have more open conversations. Like we never took a, a hard line that wasn't biblical. I mean, it's just not biblical to say that the Bible says not to drink. I mean, that's just not in there. Um, it does warn it. It does like everything else, like food or anything else. It, it gives you the blessing of it. And then it gives you uh, the downside of it. If right. it becomes something unto itself that you do outside of the wisdom offered in right. God's work, dangerous parts of it. Yeah. Right. And so, you know, much like sex, you know, people took that and made it all bad and, and much of the church world, which is like, hey, this is something God offered as, as beauty. And yes, it can be misused. Let's find out how God leads us into a place where this is going to be beneficial and yeah. created as, as the good that it was. Same thing with food, same thing with drinking, all those things. And when we make a law, uh, when we make something that, um, and this is what I'm talking about with parenting. When you make a law that's not one of God's laws, then you are making something made to be shaken. Everything that can be shaken will be. God's principles, when you shake them, you get down to the bottom of them. If you get outside of opinion, all those things, they 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 stand the test of adversity. You can always tell within the church, I mean, we're experiencing this all the time, there are ways of thinking that if they were not God's ways, it's just a matter of time. And I pray that it comes quicker rather than later or sooner rather than later, as they say, Johnny, the common expressions quicker rather quicker, than later, quicker rather than later. Everyone knows that one, but I pray that they come sooner because the longer that we live with something that's not the way that, that is pleasing uh, unto God's ways or mostly aligned, then it's just, it, it it's a, a straw house anyway. Like it's not, it's not going to be able to to take it. And so point being, yeah, we talk about drinking and smoking and other things with Sadie and we don't uh, demonize behaviors. We try not to like that. We know the Bible doesn't demonize. We say, here's the danger of this. Uh, here's uh, how some Christians feel about this. And so, yes, we love those Christians and we're not going to walk on eggshells around them. But at the same time, we're also not going to adhere to, laws that aren't that we feel like aren't really clear from scripture we're not going to take one scripture that's a warning right. and ignore all the other scriptures right. that teach her not blessing. to be like a fundamentalist yeah right so the real lesson is it really about drinking 
Yeah, that's a lesson she really needs. The real lesson she needs is where is the wisdom of God's word and how do I find it? I don't just find it by isolating and, and, and proof texting certain scriptures. I don't just find it by listening to my friends. Mm. Like, you know, there's a, I don't just find it by this impression of my heart, the whisper of God's spirit. But I find a way within all three of those that to know that sometimes I got a whisper in my heart that was just me. But how do I find out? Well, does it line up with scripture? And then when I share that with people who are also seeking all three of these things, does it, does it bear witness with them? Or I'm using a scriptural term there, Johnny. Does it, does it, do they go, dude, you're way off. I mean, sometimes somebody comes to me and they go, man, I just, I just had this, I just know I'm supposed to be obedient and do this. And I look at him and go, man, listen, it's okay that you feel that way. Everything within me, like if if we sit with your community and I look at biblical wisdom, I would say that's probably not from God. And I know you felt like it was. Yeah. And like, well, who am I to say that? Well, I mean, I can just say if scripture says, no, don't do that <laughs> because it's going to hurt you. And you think God told you to do it. Then maybe you just ate bad pizza. You know what I'm saying? And that's okay. Like, that's how you figure out how to hear God. Totino's <laughs> that night was Totino's night. We didn't know. You had, you put your Totino's out on the stove, left it there <sighs> for two days and came back and warmed it up. It's like and leaving so, a sheath out, right? That, isn't that a thing? A fleece? You put a a fleece, a sheath, you put a fleece out and that fleece uh, had tiny like cubed bits of pepperoni that weren't even real full slices. Remember that? The pizza (laughs) toppings on those Totinos? It's like pepperoni, but you're looking at it going, this is bacon bits. What have you done? (laughs) This isn't pepperoni. This is wrong. And the the hamburger on it was like ground. It wasn't ground beef. Crumbly. It was like powdered almost. Mm -hmm. Powdered beef. Not, yeah, I'm was, not a fan, but we talk about like overcorrection, like parents becoming like, and I'm okay with, we've talked about the statues and the things like that from, from a reconstruction era and beyond that we're okay with, but there is some of this overcorrection that's happening. Like, and it's, if, listen, if, if Looney Tunes has a cartoon that portrays a native American in a negative light, and this is like, it's not being done ironically it's not a rogue character in this, you know what I'm saying? Like, in other words, it's being done with a straight face. And now you're saying to kids at home, it's okay to perceive Native right. Americans this way. I'm okay with that being scrubbed and we can move forward and we can progress. Yep. But I was talking with a buddy of mine, Brian Bates, about this the other day, about how there's scrub, like you couldn't make the show The Office today because people are so sensitive. And one of the great things about The Office is there's characters in it that are dumb Michael Dwight, they say ignorant things, even culturally insensitive things, sometimes even racist things, but they're not heroes of the show. They're people roll their eyes around these characters and go, Michael's an idiot in this moment. And then throughout the show, he even grows past some of those flaws. So I think if we don't, if we overcorrect and we remove all of those characters from television and movies to where there's no villains, everyone is this homogenized version of something. It's, it's like, I think that is weird and it's, I don't think it makes for better entertainment. I don't think it makes for growth as culture even. I think the hard part about the office and I agree with you. It's one of my favorite shows is some of us watch the office and think, wow. And you laugh and you, you know, the writers knew that what Michael was doing was something that you're not supposed to do. Then some people watch the office and think that's funny. I'm going to go do what Michael did. Do you really think think that though? I do. I do. Do I think people who who hold up Michael as like the arbiter of goodness and what things should be. I think they go, well, it was, if it was okay for the office, 
right. then it's okay for me. And they're not, they're not thinking on the multi levels that the writers of the office were. Yeah. Like so you would this, take that, the off, you would take the office down too then. No, 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 no. God, I'm saying censorship, son of a gun. <laughs> I'm saying there, I just think that there are those who point to everything as an example. Yeah. Well, you like the office. Why not this? And, and, and I, I, I saw a Twitter thread today about that. You know, if there's, there's a couple things, Johnny, that, that, that drive me crazy on all sides. Okay. Yeah. And, and since again, I, I'm not going to tweet about them because there's not enough time probably to explain it all. Isn't it funny how the, by the way, all the tweets that are of substance are going like now 27 levels and you have to unroll them and everything. Like yeah. we know we can't, we know we can't say what matters in a hundred and 200 Yeah, that characters. is interesting. Yeah. There's, cause yeah. Twitter was what was called originally when it came out, it was called a micro blogging site because people yeah. were fatigued with these long drawn out blogs. So Twitter was this like, Hey, what you eating? It was really like simple. <laughs> Yep. It was like, here's a picture of my food. And and then it became now to the point now where we know we are going to be clipped out and soundbited within an inch of our lives and taken out of context and canceled. We're so afraid of it. So it's like, all right, before I get started, this is one of 25 tweets. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, like it's completely taking the whole concept of Twitter. And, and it proves, by the way, something that topics like, you know, racism or the yeah. health crisis, all those things, you're, you're not going to get yeah. there. You're not, not supposed you to. You can't be succinct. Yeah. No, that's why we do a 45 minute to an hour long podcast where, and even then we don't get there, but at least you can listen over the last 120 episodes mm. and hopefully hear our tone. If you can still clip something out if you want to, but here are the, here are the things. Do. I can't well, wait to be canceled. I'm exhausted. <laughs> one thing is, one thing that bugs me is when I'm having conversations or when I see on Twitter, um, people having arguments with each other it's when a viewpoint is brought up that has a valid point of criticism mm -hmm. whether it's for the right or the left hey this particular political leader did this or says this or acts this way or does this okay and i have a problem with it yeah. and so i'm just curious how you feel about that as someone who follows that leader then generally there's only a couple, there's only, there's only one answer for the most part that comes back. And it is that, that diversionary sidestepping, right? You don't actually hold your leader, whichever side he or she may be on accountable. You don't say, you know, yeah, that bugs me too. And here's why I'm still choosing though, because I feel usually it is a complete, well, but what about, and you name the opposite Yeah, is if we can't, ever actually and i saw a guy on twitter doing it today he was just like okay so you know you haven't answered my question still like that it would drive me crazy logically if you come to me and say you know what john your church man your church has this issue where people and by the way we've been there as a church we talked about as leaders man we knew a visitor that came to your church and nobody somehow they got past the the people at the door the greeters they made it past all of your team they made it all the way through a whole service through an entire greeting and they didn't talk no one talked to them they that's said. gonna be the new like feature that you want in a church right <laughs> in the old days <laughs> you show up <laughs> nobody greeted me i'm coming back all right so i'd sit down with the leaders and i'd be like but what i didn't sit down and, and i would say guys you know obviously something messed yeah. up with our system here i don't know how it was possible i mean literally we're not even a large building how did they even get in and out i don't know 
maybe it didn't happen, but here's what we know that we have this data and now we're going to hold ourselves accountable and we're going to change our systems and we're going to, but I'm not going to go, well, <laughs> yeah, but man, first Baptist. All right. They're oh, just boy, as bad. Friend, yeah. I want a friend who went there and, and three people, you know, yelled at him. Like you, like this whole, everything is in comparison to divert away from responsibility yeah. of your own position. Mm-hmm. Number one, that drives me crazy. I don't think it's, I don't think it's a scriptural way in the terms of wisdom to live, like at least just go. And again, if you have a viewpoint that you can't see a negative side to, like I'm going to make this statement, Johnny, I've almost tweeted it, but it sounds too incendiary, incendiary and I'm probably going to make people mad, but I think it's so true just politically, historically. And I think even theologically, there are such things as dangerous radicals. Mm-hmm. And if you are a person that believes anyone who disagrees with your specific and unique viewpoint anyone who disagrees on any level is a dangerous radical then you by definition are a dangerous radical yeah like that's one of the definitions if, well, if you literally think there's no nuance past your own position yeah and it must be 100 percent right you or your party or your, well, your position preacher. becomes your positions become an idol or you're holding yourself to be the standard uh, implicitly it's like george carlin used to have a bit about that he would say isn't it funny how when you're driving everyone going slower than you is an idiot and everyone driving faster than you is a maniac yep well that's how it is oh, in, yeah. in twitter it's like anyone further Right than you is a wacko. Any further, anybody further left than you is a wacko. Because I'm, I've got the right views. Yeah, you know? and it's a dangerous way to live. And again, it goes back to those questions. Sometimes I ask, we asked in a few po- podcasts back. You know, hey, when's the last time that you had your mind changed about something significant? Mm-hmm. If you if you can't think of the last time you changed your mind, that you heard new information and thought, you know what, I need to adjust. You don't have to abandon your complete position, right? But adjust if you're not adjusting then you are in danger well that's how we were raised honestly in our church upbringing pentecostal culture wait i'm not blaming just pentecostal culture i would say it's true in a lot of of uh, evangelical churches but it's almost like if some you're you're heralded like when you hear about pastors and people dying in the faith you would almost like that's the thing that's heralded about them the most is like they never change their mind ever you know we're almost kind of holding them up. And it's not just about things about the gospel. I mean, like they held right. on till the, they, ne- you know, they never wavered. And so we grow up with this implicit thing that says, if you get new information and change your mind, it's weakness rather yeah. than just going like, Oh, I didn't, I had no idea there was another side to this. I was speaking with a pastor last night and he was talking about how he, the conversations he's having around the issues of race. And you've had some of these, you know, it's like the awkward conversations with a black man, those that video series, like he goes, I'm, my eyes are being opened because I just thought, well, we've moved past this. And now I'm, I'm having these conversations and he goes, it's blowing my mind. It's making me want to take action. And he, this is guys, a a former Marine. He was like, I, I'm heartbroken and it, it makes me want to take action. And he wasn't like, he wasn't like bummed about it. He was like, oh, I wish that we could just move past this. He was just like, no, this has got to be fixed now. And um, we're going to go, we're going to go take, take steps towards that. And he was like, you know, it was encouraging to hear somebody that was willing to kind of change the vision. Cause I know, you know, he may even be, you know, a more conservative uh, bent, but it's like, he still is like, I have new information now. Yeah. You know, no, it, again, by definition of the term conservative, it means, 
that you try to hold to what was. Yeah. Um, and I think that this is something I'm going to say for a long time every week. You know, I'm a conservative, <laughs> you know, and, and that term doesn't get to be defined by others for me. And to some extent, every conservative, every liberal, if you want to, you know, and I, and I struggle, I don't, I don't want to take the label as conservative or religious right or all these other things that were coined in the 60s and 70s. If you read the history of it, I don't, I don't necessarily jive with every um, viewpoint or certainly not the tone of a lot of that now. But it's not because I've abandoned conservatism. It's because conservatism has shifted away from a lot of the things that I knew or I'm learning things about what conservatism was not addressing. And as we as conservatives learn things we should have been addressing Mm -hmm. that, like you said, we adjust. Yeah. But it doesn't mean we have to like the whole, again, binary decision making. You have to be one or the other uh, is a dangerous radical viewpoint. It, it, It is what. George Washington warned against in his farewell address about about a, a two party system that did just that. Um, that you know, you, you just you have to realize from from the outset of the country that's not that everyone could see that that can lead to, to bad places. And and the second thing, by the way, Joni, and this is just just a one again. I, don't, I almost posted about it. That drives me crazy. And and I love you guys if you're doing this. But I won't tell you, it drives me crazy, and I hope you'll listen to me on this one. Like, when you copy and paste something into a huge Facebook post that basically calls all of us sheeple or followers, or right. and you tell me how the whole country's been taken over, and I let it happen, whether it's about masks or whether it's about whatever your viewpoint is, um, and then you tell me how we don't exercise critical thinking, that you've learned to exercise critical thinking for yourself. That's what we all need to do. But we all stopped and we just gave in to blah, you know, whatever. And here's the thing. When you have copied and pasted that, like the irony that is not seen in someone who goes, I am literally posting someone else's thoughts that are yelling at everybody to have your own thoughts. And there's no like cognitive dissonance there with that process. Sometimes I've seen people post it and it says, dash anonymous <laughs> or they don't even give any credit like but i know because i've read their other posts that they did not write this long elaborate thing and i've seen it on other people's pages yeah like the whole be original because i told you to thing mm-hmm. it's so like it's it, it so it's like it, again it's it's intellectually infuriating to me on some level i think like look man of course you should be listening to other sources but the idea that you don't even write your own posts and in the post you tell everyone to write their own posts and think for themselves. Like, guys, I mean, at some point you got uh, you have to have some level of um, judgment for yourself that not the bad judgment, the good judgment. Exercising good judgment means, hey, yeah, if I want to when I retweet somebody that knows more about a topic than me, I want you to see what they said. Mm-hmm. And then I'm learning from them, you know, like that, that's the nature of scholarship and, 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 and academia. And that that's the nature of being in seminary, not like just liberal arts educations. Like the nature is, as I listen to other sources, I learn from them, but you know, just, just telling everybody to suddenly be original while you're not being original and 
everyone who follows that without even thinking about it, I just go, and again, I'm not trying to do that here. I'm not trying to tell you all now you should do it because I said it. Like, I'm just saying. Everything my- you just said was copied and pasted to me earlier today by <laughs> somebody else. So I need you to stop reading from the teleprompter. I seriously just don't understand it. I think above all, like I don't understand that when, when I'm, if I'm posting something that literally is, um, what's well, like it's people just, that argue and don't understand the rules of debate properly. It's exactly that. Yeah. It's like, it's like, it'd be, it's like, uh, I remember I did a comedy club, uh, one time and I just started out and I was an MC at a, a comedy club. It's like 25 bucks a night. I was just like, whatever. It was in Knoxville, Tennessee. I could stay with my brother. I'm just like, whatever. I just need stage time. I go, the headliner was a guy named Josh Sneed who had a Comedy Central special. So funny. And after the shows, he wants to play poker. He was a big poker guy. He had his own chips. He was like really into it. So it was kind of like, hey, stay and mingle rather than go back to my brother's house right away because this is how you get in with the comics. I don't know anything about I mean, this Texas Hold'em was just becoming like a big deal. Like you were watching right. it on TV and stuff on ESPN. I know the rules, but I don't know the rules. Right. But I don't want to be left out. I want to be like a real boy here. So I'm like, I'll play. It's 20 bucks to get in. I'm like, at worst case scenario, they take my 20 bucks. They're happy about that. Well, it didn't go that way. Because I won the first three hands on the flop. Like <laughs> on the river. Like I think it's the flop of the river, which is like the last card gave me the win. So I'm just like holding on with nothing. And then the last card gives me a straight and I win. And this guy keeps looking at me, Josh need the headline. He keeps looking up at me like, and I was like, I I don't even know how to play really. And he goes, well, isn't that adorable? And I was like, Oh no. And then of course I lost the next five hands in a row and he took my $20 and I went home and that was that. And I've never talked to the guy again, but it's like, that's what it must be like. If you are a, educated PhD and you're commenting in a thread and then someone who does not know anything uh, compared to what you know about the subject, but whatever subject it is, there's a whole book about this called the death of expertise uh, that a friend of mine was recommending to me and they come in and then their comment in this marketplace that we have now can get way more heat than right. what you said. That was an expert opinion. That must be, that's what Josh Sneed felt when I won the hand on the last card. He was just like, I I don't want to be around this person. I just, this is not any fun. You know, it's like, you're not even playing the right way. You're just, you know. And, and uh, I think you're right. And I struggle with that because it sounds very elitist whenever we start talking about, I mean, I think people. Right, only so, educated people should have opinions. I don't mean that. It's just, right. it's just know when it's your pitch and know when not. You know what I'm saying? It's okay to take a couple of it's okay to it's okay to step back from the batter's box. You don't have to have a strong opinion about every single issue that comes across. You can just keep scrolling. Right. Or or if if you do have a strong opinion, you shouldn't think you shouldn't automatically assume it's correct. Like again, yeah. there are some things I haven't posted about because I'm still reading about yeah, them. Yeah, that's good too. Yeah. Like I'm learning. I'm I'm learning. I got a stack of books. I want to know more. I'm I'm listening to podcasts about them. I'm sitting down with people and talking. Um, and, and there's, you know, I'm not saying it's the right way. I think it was the way for a lot of, of people for a long time. Um, I think that the whole like culture, the cancel culture or the, 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 the this day and age, if you say anything about 
the process, it's very, everything is considered to be judgmental. Yeah. And this, and that like the fear of judgment, um, or honestly, you can cancel someone if you thought they'd been judgmental. Well, they were dismissive of you. Well, if your, if your viewpoint was completely inaccurate, yeah, it, it, I don't mean uneducated, like you didn't go to college for it. I mean, look, going to college does not make one intelligent or any of those things. Like it has nothing to do with anything in that respect. Here's the deal. If a guy has a PhD in history, um, then I'm at least going to, I may not agree with this viewpoint, but I'm, I'm going to go, well, I'm going to at least follow up on what he said before I just go, that's stupid. That didn't happen. You right. know, like, like, okay, you know, there's not, it's not about agreement, but there is a, I think again, humility, there's a humility to it all. And, and, and so, yes, I may be guilty of the thing that I'm upset with other people doing sometimes. If I can't admit that, you know, cause you do, when you get emotional, you look up and go, in fact, Laura had to say it to me the other day. I wanted to post or send something or do something, you know. And she was like, yeah, but the thing you're going to say to all the people you want to send it to, the attitude you want to correct biblically, mm. if you're not careful when you say that to them, you'll be using that same attitude. Yeah. You know, if you have not been in, and so then you go back to the rules of God's ways. Have I been invited? Have I been invited to speak into this? Well, if I haven't, or is is this, you know, so I either have to go in and say it and do correction with humility and not acknowledge my own fault. Yeah. Um, or I shouldn't be correcting people who have invited me to do so. And so I don't want to do, I'm not going to do it if I can't shame people. <laughs> I've already decided. What is the fun I, in correcting people if you can't see the look on their face of shame? That's the reason to do John, you're blowing. There this. was l- literally a video this week that I sent to you, literally by a pastor, that literally said, all of you should be ashamed, pastors who are, and he went into all the things. Oh, right, he all said, the things. Shamed. Yeah. I mean, use the word, you should be ashamed. And it got, it got crazy good uh, views. I'm yeah, sure. it did. And it was just like, okay, man, if you're... That's the thing, you can take a crazy position now in that you'll find your people because there's enough people now in the world that you can say the craziest things and there'll still be like a million people that'll be like, that's my guy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's that it is. Oh yeah. What people are liking is hard. Um, Yeah. Again, I had a, uh, we, Reggie wouldn't mind me saying this at all. You know, Reggie and I are are working on writing some things about race, you know, and he's lost about 15,000 followers. Yeah. You know, and he said, John, all I've done is post about, um, That's crazy. I posted quotes from Martin Luther King and Nelson Mandela. That's really all I've done. Mm. And I, I heard another artist, a black artist, a Christian artist say that she had lost because she shared some things about what had happened to her. She was a teenager yeah. when she began as an artist and just sharing that I just, I've been spoken to this way at my own table and stuff when I was signing autographs because I didn't do things like people wanted and yeah. there were racial undertones to it. And like her expressing that has caused that, you know, that. Yeah. It's all great to like speak your truth, quote unquote, until your truth doesn't jibe with what somebody's view of the right. world is. And they're like, hold on. Yeah. Yeah. Don't yeah. let, don't let your facts get in the way of my worldview here. Yeah. It's a bummer. And it's hard. And that's something I'm working on even in, in some of the stuff we're writing Yeah, is look, anecdotal, anecdotal evidence or data is so important for us right now. I'm, I am trying to sit down. If you want to talk about whatever you pick your social issue, but specifically with race, I am trying to sit down and speak with 
you know, black individuals who can help me understand what their life. But I also know that I can't take their individual experiences and say, now this is how it always is for everyone. Yeah. But it is an important part of me developing empathy or connecting humanity to it. But they, they may not, you know, that's why I want to read uh, more black theologians, black pastors, black thought leaders, authors. Uh, who are in arenas that I trust, who are with publishers that I trust. And I already know these, I know what these guys are doing. I know the process they're going through. I see their sources. Um, doesn't mean I buy into all of it, but there's that balance of, of anecdotal with the other things. So, um, hey, and speaking of, you know, we shared an, some anecdotes the other week and we said last week we're going to, and we'll kind of close with this, answer a question from a, a, a listener. And we're not going to say the listener's name uh, just by the, the nature of the question, but I thought right. it was very yeah, it was, sure. It was well thought out. We'll kind of close out with that. So um, they said last episode, you touched on conflict in marriage. This was several weeks back. I was wondering if you talk a bit more about what healthy conflict in marriage and relationships look like or looks like, especially for parents. When you first mentioned that you don't hide your fights from your daughter, my reaction was negative. But as I thought about it, it makes sense. Hiding the fact that there's conflict would give her the idea that married people don't argue. But I reacted based on my own history, coloring what what that means to me. Some of my earliest memories are of my abusive parent demanding I be in the room and listen to my parents' nuclear fights. My whole life, I was expected to be present and or listen to angry recaps of every fight. And when my abuser argued, neither defense nor surrender was accepted. So I have no real idea what healthy conflict in a family looks like. Thanks. Mm. Number one, uh, and and you know who you are, uh, and we just are so like, humbled that you would share uh, your story and ask us to kind of talk about that. Um, and and I, I appreciate you uh, sharing your story. Number two, we're just, man, I'm heartbroken for anyone who's faced uh, abusive situations in any part of their life. And um, yeah, it's and super man. different. Like you say, like the, the difference between, Hey, we're having an argument. I don't want to pretend that like there's not ever heated words between a husband and wife versus the kid becomes put in the middle and is a pawn used back and forth. And the story is retold over and over. And this is why mommy was wrong. This is why daddy was wrong there. You yeah. know what I'm saying? That's a different thing that you see that happen a lot in, in children of divorce where there's like, there's no civility on either side because you have to score points and use the kid as this, you know, object to be batted back and forth. It's heartbreaking yeah. to see. No, it is. And I would just say first and foremost, that it's obvious that you've done some work in, in your own, um, recovery, because you're, you're seeing anytime someone can say that first I thought this, then I realized my lens was coloring that viewpoint. That's a big, that's a big thing. So what we're talking about on the whole episode today, can you step outside of yourself to examine the lenses? Can you look not just through the windshield, but look at the windshield and realize, Oh, there's something covering the windshield. I need, I need to clean this so that I can see more clearly through it. Um, so one, that's awesome. And I, and I, I hope that you continue uh, to find those healthy uh, outlets. You know, I think as, as it's like John said, to me, everything is about the foundations of what people in relationships all agree to. The reason Twitter conversations are not effective for major issues is because both sides don't agree on what values matter, not just with the topic, but also with the methodology of communication. You know, Johnny, I remember when uh, some some of this first came out and you were defending one of our friends on Facebook. It was Reggie. Yeah. You were defending Reggie on Facebook and 
made a comment to someone and they, when you push them one right. level too far, they began what cussing you or attacking you. The immediate they, ad hominem, yeah, like you're yeah. an effing moron was like, yeah, one of and you were like, there it is, you know, like, like <laughs> all right, the argument is over now. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, that, that's a thing. And, and when we do premarital counseling, um, we always talk about, I, I, I hate the word rules, but I think there's boundaries or, or setting expectations of look. So this is what matters to me, or this is what we think is a healthy way that when, when the argument happens, one, if you think it's not going to happen, then for God's sake, don't get married. If anybody mm-hmm. ever tells me, uh, we've never even argued. Would you do our wedding? I'm like, no, come back when you've had an argument. Like, cause that's, this is not real yet. Um, and we don't have a lot, but we do have when they, they have been big before and they have been some of the best things that ever happened to our marriage when we stay within God's ways. Now, when we, when we <laughs> have ventured outside, then we've come back with God's grace. Like there've been a lot of times we said, man, I really crossed that line. But that's a part of God's ways too. So you almost like grace is like this elastic clause. Doesn't mean you can do anything you want. And there are things that, and and you're referencing abuse. There are things I believe that um, nullify that commitment. Like okay, that that covenant has been broken, and um, you're not you know biblically required to stay there. Um, And certainly anyone listening, if you're ever in a situation where you're in danger, uh, then you know there are pastors who have unwisely counseled people uh, to stay in the relationships where they or their children were in danger. And we, we do not think that that's what you should do. We want you to seek, um, seek safety and, and find a place to be healthy, a, pl- a place where you can grow. Um, that that's not what marriage is supposed to be or in, in, in parenting relationships either. But, you know, in a relationship where both are agreeing and there's some level of health, doesn't mean there's some level of perfection. Everybody brings uh, a lot of baggage. Like I, I didn't think I had a lot of baggage because I really had a pretty, you know, I don't, I don't have a lot of things in my past that um, I can look back and go, wow, I was sorely mistreated here. Like my parents loved me. You know, I had a place where I was celebrated in life and, and offered opportunities and, and I had to work very hard. There's no doubt. Um, but even that was one of the greatest gifts ever given. And so you just kind of assume that, oh, you know, well, this will be good. I really did assume going into marriage, like, oh, I'll be easy to be married to because I get mm-hmm. along with people and I like helping people. And these days I look up and I go, poor Laura, like that was the worst thing for her probably that I would really, I really thought I didn't have all those things uh, because I do. There are times I struggle with depression. There are times that I feel very anxious. Uh, I've struggled with self-righteousness a lot in my life. Um, there are times where... um I struggle with perfectionism and I'm requiring it of others. Uh, and so the one, here's the thing, all those struggles, you're going to, you're going to project them onto your spouse more than anyone else in the world. In fact, we say this at marriage conferences sometimes, you will say things to your spouse that you would never say to your worst enemy. Yeah. And believe it or not, that actually can be a reflection of a good thing gone bad. It means that you're being your truest most hurt self with them because you trust they're not going anywhere. Some, yeah. some, most people won't do that in the first year, but within the first five years, you will say something that you never thought you'd ever say. Um, unless you're already talking it out in health, but when that comes out, that revealed in me, wow, where yeah, did that come from? Yeah. There's like marriage conferences I've been to where they go, don't say stuff you can't take back. And I was like, we're all disqualified then. Oh yeah. Because that's, 
I mean, we've all, I mean, I, anybody that's been married, like you said, longer than a few years, you've said 10 or 20 things. You go, man, that would have been a completely disqualifying statement for any other relationship in my life except for this one. And somehow we got past it. Right. Yeah. We I always said like, it Don't. because I said it because I knew it would hurt her. You know, exactly. And like, that's what I say. Yeah. You're going to have that moment. You're going to want it. Yeah. Yep. Yep. You're going to want to hurt them. That's why we do the pre yeah. boundaries. Like we even give examples. Let me give you some examples, guys. <laughs> um, Cause you'll want to say this, or these are things you have. Do you, and and you, up, do you and Laura get up with head, headsets and act it out? Let's give some examples of hurtful <laughs> things I'm going to say. And then you just <laughs> let the expletives fly. Oh my goodness. Now let's do it again with God in the conversation. <laughs> She's too mad now. To the, act out the yeah, she part. can't. She's still pouting in the corner. <laughs> I need a minute. I don't downshift that <laughs> I need quickly. A minute. Yeah. Um, She's choking yeah. water, getting ready for round two. <laughs> That's not water. Anyway, um, and so one of the things we always say is, look, you know, for example, don't use the D word. Don't use divorce as a threat. If you get into the habit mm-hmm. of beginning to use that word, like you'll want to. Well, maybe I should just leave. Yeah. That, that, that's, that's a threat. If you begin to make a, a habit out of threatening to end that relationship every time it gets hard, right. you're just, it, it may mean you're joking. Going, yeah. Yeah. Or, yeah. Exactly. You just, you're opening up an opportunity for yeah. someday that to go, that to become so familiar. So again, like the conversation we had about Sadie and witchcraft or whatever, like, hey, it's not that she's not ever going to see a movie. Right. Right? I want her to know what should be familiar and what should be foreign. Yeah. And so um, that should be foreign. And and, and we have, I, now here's the thing, in our life, and Laura wouldn't mind me saying this, there probably, I can count on one hand or one of us was so, was so down or we were so angry mm-hmm. that we just began to make like a, well, maybe you'd be happier if you hadn't married me kind of thing. Right. You reach your like, this is a non-negotiable yeah. end of, of things. Yeah. And we both end up in tears like, oh, what did we just say? Like, what did I do? Yeah. Because that boundary was so established that when yeah. we got there, it was easy to recognize. It was like, a, oh, I take that back. I shouldn't. Like, so, yes, I said something I couldn't take back. But for both of us, it it is a, it, it, like, you knew it was there. Like, if you don't have a, if you have a boundary you never know is there, then you often don't know when you cross it. So that's the thing. Know what your boundaries are before there. Another one will be, look, I'm just telling you guys, if you're listening and you're married or you're thinking about getting married, or you have any relationships with, with, with people that you want to go further, it, the family, you bringing their family into when you're mad and saying that, well, maybe that's why you do it. Just, that's just what your mother does or whatever. Like oh, if you boy, come up yeah, with that. Oh, that's an atom bomb. Oh yeah. You're, it doesn't matter what you were arguing about. You've now forced them, even if they have an unhealthy relationship with their mother or father or whatever, or you're forcing them to now have to defend family instead of you guys dealing with whatever you're dealing with. But like Johnny said, you'll want to say it because it'll be, Oh, it's so perfect. And you got that. Aha. I I, I fear that if people can't even control themselves from typing, you know, 2000 words of vitriol, like on Facebook, you know, because you should have time while you're typing it to go, maybe I shouldn't be doing this. Right. Like if you're just reacting in a conversation, it's, it's a lot harder. Um, so I think healthy conflict doesn't say we don't have conflict. It says when conflict comes, I'm going to agree right now to these, what I believe are proverb biblically based wisdom. It's not like God said, yes, we always use that. Do not the sun go down your wrath as if that's like a commandment. Um, I think it's more of a principle. That's another one we say. Look, if you go to bed 
you don't have to resolve the issues, but you have to be resolved with one another. So there are times we go, hey, we got this ongoing thing that took, takes us two years to work out because we're not, we don't agree um, with the situation in life or whatever, that where there's tension. Well, yeah. I can't resolve all that tension every night. But what I can say is, hey, listen, I love you. I'm sorry that I yelled or yeah. like I can resolve this. You and I are okay. Or are we okay? What can, what do I need to apologize right. for? What I like, so, yeah, what I like to do after a big fight is say, hey, you know what would resolve that tension? <laughs> and it seems to never help. I've not. Uh, Listen, man, <laughs> I, I, when people, when people talk about, I, I have had couples, I'm sorry, the whole makeup sex thing, like people, there are some people out there so unhealthy that they fight so that that can happen. Like, like, dude, if, if you're looking for that level of like, uh, to, to, if you need to be exhilarated that badly, <laughs> uh, like I would say, dude, you know, let's, let's read, there's way healthier ways because that's a, again, just like the divorce word, that's a pattern. I'm not saying it doesn't happen sometimes or whatever. I'm just saying the pattern of needing that, that polar extreme right. emotional, yeah, so yeah. you, just so you can have conflict resolution. Yeah. Yeah. The, the yeah. Weird, like extremes. Uh, yeah. And some people are that way. Um, or they attract people there that way. I saw a comedian yeah. today and he said, the secret to what he said, the secret to every long uh, marriage is one person is really boring and the other one is crazy. And I thought that was <laughs> the crazy one is okay with being with a boring person. The boring person's like made peace with being with a crazy person. <laughs> and if you're listening right now and you, you don't, know which one you don't are. think your spouse is crazy, then guess what? Yeah, send, you, your, send, if, send us your Facebook profile links and John and I will decide next week on the show which one you are in the relationship. That's right. <laughs> if, you have, if you have a dual Facebook profile, it's going to be a lot harder. <laughs> oh, that, that no, does tell us a lot. It's, it's we should start one, Johnny. John and Johnny on John Facebook. John. To me, the Facebook profile for couples, I don't like hate it one way or another. I know some people make fun of those. To me, it's the, it's the sitting side by side in the restaurant booth of the internet. That's what it is. <laughs> it doesn't offend me. It's, just, it's a curiosity to me. So, well, to me, it's you the matching. Pennies, and you see two people sitting in the booth side by side. Yeah. And then you're like, oh, they're waiting on another couple. And then you're there for like 45 minutes. And you're like, there is no other couple. This is a choice they've made. That's the Facebook dual profile to me. Have you ever been in a business meeting where you were on the same side as someone on someone on the other side? And then the other person left across from you and you're sitting next to now the person that the, the, there's three of you. And now there's two. And you're like, um, hey, Mr. Smith. Yeah. Do you mind going? You know, what do you say? You just met him. We um, used to do that in the, like in my, uh, we'd be riding in my dad's truck or friend's truck. And like, if we would pull up, it'd be three of us and yeah. pull up, there'd be a bunch of girls looking in. Uh, and we would want the one who was sitting by the window would duck down below the window <laughs> so that it looked like two guys just sitting that close together for no reason. That's, that's hilarious. That's fun to do. That's great. That's great. I will say one more thing too about this when we're done with this part. Um, in specifically about kids. So in our house, if Laura and I need to have a real heated conversation, we don't, we try not to do that in front of Sadie. So if whatever I said earlier, Sadie's often aware. Here's the thing about Sadie. Um, if she listens to the podcast some now, Johnny, by the way, um, she knows so she was like, she's the one that cleans up the glass. <laughs> well, like she'll, she'll want to be involved. Like she'll want to walk in and, and, and that, by the way, infuriates me as a, as a parent, like when I'm trying to work one thing out and, and now another, I have a third party coming in wanting to interject, you know, place your so, bed. right. I just been like, look, 
we'll, I'll say, hey, Sadie, we'll, we'll talk to you. And then we try to work out, because most of it is conversations that no one else needs to hear. So yeah. that idea, man, you know, that somebody was made to sit and be present and then rehash. Yeah, I know. I'm just really sorry that happened. I don't, I don't think that's healthy. I think what, what I was trying to say in the episode that you're referencing was, you know, your kids know that there's conflict. Don't, so when I say hide it, like don't hide the fact that there's conflict, but there will be moments of conflict that you need to do in private. Yeah. And then, and then afterwards, especially when I know if Sadie knows we've been arguing, we always talk to her and we always reassure her. And sometimes she'll ask what we are talking about. Sometimes we'll tell her, mm-hmm. well, this is because it's an opportunity to tell her how conflict resolves. I felt this way or I said this mean thing and, and, and mommy responded like this and, you know, and we work it out and tell her how we worked it out. Other times it's too adult, you know, like she's not ready for it. And we'll say, you know, it's just something that you're probably not old enough for yet. And she hates that. But, you know, we just kind of on the fly decide what's, what's right. But then we always say, but listen, you know, this is what it's like to be married. And this is, we love each other. We've said, sorry, we've asked Jesus to forgive us if we needed to for whatever it was. And it's okay. And Hey, let's go pop popcorn and watch TV. You know, like that idea that, this conflict is not going to define our home, that that we're going to keep leaning into grace for one another. And we're going to take the grace that God gives us and, and that that's normal. So um, and for some people, man, especially if you're conflict adverse, like you, you 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 want to you avoid conflict at all costs. That's really difficult. And I would I would tell you if you're moving towards marriage, you're in marriage and like you can't like understand nothing is ever buried. It's all planted. Like it's growing somewhere. You didn't bury it. it. It's in there, whether it's inside of you. And I've known lots of people who for, you know, 15, 20 years of marriage, they never let how they really felt. They just kept pushing it down and calling yeah. that love. And there is a time you push it down and call it love and say, well, this is not the time and they can't handle this. And you let it go and move on. But if it's something so super important to you, you never are able to express because you saw your parents fight and you, you've gone. Some people see their parents fight and they go into marriage and they fight all the time. That's their pattern. Some people see their parents fight. They go to marriage and they never fight because yeah. they refuse to be like their parents. Right. They think that makes them healthier. Right. Right. They stifle, they stifle a sneeze for 18 years. Yep. Yeah. And imagine what it's going to be when it comes out. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, so, or you're just going to be miserable. And, and, and I don't think God intends, I mean, God, Jesus said, I come for you to have life and for it to be really full and abundant. Like, I don't think marriage as one of his greatest gifts is meant to be there are moments you'll be miserable in all relationships, but I think marriage above the rest of them is supposed to be a gift that reveals God's grace to you more and more. And, and, and it also reveals your need for God's grace more and more as you see how broken you are oh, in that relationship. That cover of your relationship book. There'll be moments you'll be miserable in every relationship. <laughs> dot, dot, dot. 1999. <laughs> like just, those are going to fly out of the trunk of your car. Oh, my like goodness. Hotcakes. Like hot, I do sell hotcakes out the trunk of my car. It's very hot outside. It is. So Those it things, helps. they're selling like books. <laughs> that's right. There's Originally, books. they were cold cakes. I, I didn't know. And then that's how it happened. So, yeah. Yeah. summer months. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, guys, we appreciate you uh, hanging out with us uh, for another hour today and talking about all the things. You can send us more questions. Uh, appreciate that, that listener today. And listen, you have our email address, and we're always here to talk about things off the air. Uh, as well, or, or help, hopefully help point you to, to places as you continue on your journey. For anybody who's listening, um, you know, reach out and, and let us know how we can help or how we can pray for you or, or be there for you. 
Uh, we appreciate you guys uh, sharing it. Uh, as you see those little those little uh, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, um, yeah, the little clips that we put out, yeah, what teaser videos, yeah. Make sure you share those and, and maybe send them to a friend. Uh, and did you like it? Leave us reviews and follow on socials. And we're going to continue the talk next week on talk about that. It's Carly Mercoulier, host of Therapy and Theology, a weekly podcast that explores popular topics and questions related to faith, feelings, and spiritual formation. Subscribe at lifeaudio.com.